When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Give me one shot here on a blue chip stock. Believe me, Kevin. The only problem you're gonna have is that you didn't buy more. Nobody knows if the stock is gonna go up, down, sideways, or in circles. What's going on, NBA Draft fans? Your boys are back. The Wolves of Ball Street, the Draft Deck NBA Draft Podcast. Here to bring you our NBA Draft result reactions. I am here, as always, with my co-host, Albert Gim. Albert, how we doing today, bud? Dude, we're, um, damn. I don't need, yeah, it's good, it's good. I, I'm realizing, like, the uh, the time difference is kind of getting to me. I still feel a little jet lag, um, but it's good, man. I'm ready to roll. Um, we were at the draft, and, you know, it was a pretty wild one. I think Corey and I have some... We've got some gripes about how the NBA is running the draft. Um, I think there are some improvements to be made. But um, overall, dude, it was it was awesome. We finally got to meet in person for our listeners yep. out there. Corey <laughs> and I, uh, we live on opposite ends of the country, but we got to meet in person, which was dope. But um, yeah, man, overall, awesome experience, and I'm ready to talk about it. Yeah, man, it was, uh, it was a truly uh, really fun time. I mean, I, I've been trying to get to the draft um for years for years and you know it's i've lived in new york for the most part of my life um and uh i just you know i i it got to a point where i just gave up on going but this was the year to to make it happen and man what a freaking draft to go to you <laughs> see my favorite thing about the draft process is that you think you have it all figured out and you start reading all of the mocks, you read all the articles, you listen to the podcasts like this one, you break you break it down, you make sure it all makes sense, and then out of nowhere, boom, pure chaos, one pick, butterfly effect, trickle down, everything goes crazy. And that's what makes it so fun, because for as much content as you can, can consume about this draft – in how you think things are going to go leading up to it, all the intel. As it turns out, it just never happens that way. Even in a year like this year, where we all thought the top four picks were a lock. The top four picks were not a lock. They were not a lock. So, uh, yeah, I mean, look, I didn't even write notes for for this show. I, I feel like <laughs> we have enough that we could just, freestyle on it um because i mean there, there's so much to touch on i mean raptors drafting scotty barnes how yeah. how shocked were you about the raptors taking scotty barnes at four i mean Corey, i think the best way to think i was kind of annoyed because like from the fourth pick of the draft all our mocks like we just had to throw them out 
Like we were so convinced that Jalen Suggs was kind of like the perfect fit to go to Toronto and then to have Scotty Barnes be in. I was like, oh, look, I, I'm happy for the guy. I'm happy for all these players who get who got drafted that night. But, you know, for me, it was like, dude, like Jalen Suggs is right there. He's kind of the perfect fit in my mind. And then you guys went and took Scotty Barnes. And I'm not saying Scotty Barnes is a bad player. I don't want anyone to take this clip and be like, oh, Aubrey thinks Scotty Barnes is trash. Like, no, I, we were both pretty high on Scotty Barnes. But that's just how convinced I was that Jalen Suggs was going to be the pick there. And I think it's going to be really interesting to see how now the Raptors pivot. Because right now, Corey, the top, we're recording 640 Pacific Time, 940 Eastern. Um, Kyle Lowry is no longer a Raptor. And uh, now they have Goran Dragic. And so I, I think it's going to be really interesting to see how they build out the rest of this roster and how they want to pivot and change things up. And I, I think we're pretty convinced that Nick Nurse is a good coach. I, he's, he's a really good coach. But um, 100%. yeah, I, I was just I was I think my initial reaction, I was annoyed. I was like, God damn, like, why didn't y'all take J- Jalen Suggs? But yeah, what what the hell? What, what do we know? Corey, you made a great point. <laughs> we really don't know shit, bro. We really don't it's- know. Well, nobody does. That's the thing. Nobody does. The Even, you know, most of the, the experts don't. I, I mean, up until that point, there was a little bit of buzz for Scotty. So, right. you know, for me, it wasn't like super shocking. Mm-hmm. Although being in um, the Barclays Center, when Scotty Barnes was the pick, mm-hmm. there was a like, oh, yeah. like reaction. Um, yeah. Which was which was fun to see. But, you know, we had heard the whispers and. After you play it back in your head, I feel like it's kind of like when you are in a relationship and a person breaks up with you and you start playing things back and you're like, "Uh, all right, I guess it makes sense now. Like the signs were there. I'm not like super shocked about it. Think about it. I mean, the smoke like Scotty uh, Scotty Barnes might be for a lot. You know, it started leaking out. And then you look at the type of players that messiah and the raptors like and it's like og ananobi pascal siakam even Kawhi to an extent like all of these guys who are six eight six nine multiple skills versatile can play all these different positions and you know i know a lot of people are like oh pascal the writing is on the wall now that they have scotty and it's like what if they just want to play them all together and like right. they're going to actually experiment i don't know if that's going to work but versatility is the name of the game and all of their you know their entire front court can just go in all these different ways and guard all these guys it's going to be interesting to watch uh Mm -hmm. with that said yeah it took no more than two picks (laughs) to really blow the fucking roof off the place yeah because if the barclay center in brooklyn and for all the people watching at home thought that things were crazy with Scotty Barnes going ahead of Jalen Suggs, mm-hmm. the biggest what the fuck moment up in, you know, till this point, right. Was Josh Giddy going to the thunder at six. Mm-hmm. And there was not a ton of smoke with the Giddy thing. Right. There, you know, we heard maybe he was getting some ten top to 10, Memphis, right? Yeah. right. But, uh, we did not hear the the OKC thing. What did you think about the Giddy pick? Or what do you think about it now that you have a little bit of time to reflect on it? You know, for me, Corey, I think like before the pick came in, you and I, I remember we talked about it. We're like, okay, here comes Book Knight. Book Knight and SGA, that's going to be yeah. 
a really fun backcourt and we were like excited for it and I, I think it's funny like you know now you hear all these podcasts afterwards and they're all like oh typical sam presti you know he's gonna create some smoke and then everyone's gonna fall for it and i'm like okay that's cool that's fine but i i, I don't know i kind of wonder if they they kind of dropped the ball here i look i'm not i'm not saying that giddy was a bad pick but it's kind of like you could have had book night and that would have been a really fun backcourt. Um, yeah. I think we, we have our questions about Giddy, right? I think, you know, we're not super sold on his jump shot translating or being awesome or good on the next level. I think we like the live dribble stuff that he can do with both hands. We were really impressed by that. But at the same time, it's like, I, I don't know, like I, my mind just keeps going back to book night. And now I'm excited for Charlotte because it's like, okay, book night and LaMelo, that's really fun. Because oh, yeah. we know we know what Book Knight can do off the ball, and we're hoping that his on ball stuff translate and translates and gets better. And then it's like, okay, that's a really fun backcourt. And you're wondering, like, okay, did OKC could have had that with SGA? Um, and so I don't know, man. I, I think with time, you know, passing by now, and I'm thinking about it now, I'm just like, okay, you guys bamboozled and faked everyone out, and you guys got giddy. But did you really need to fake everybody out to get giddy? I don't. I don't I don't know. Like, it's just, okay, you guys did your thing, and I hope you had fun, Sam Presti, but I'm not that impressed is kind of how I feel right now. (laughs) Yeah, it's weird. I mean, I totally understand Giddy is the guy that you would take the upside swing on. I I, I actually... In jest, I don't want to act like I'm clairvoyant here, but I, I went on the, the Knicks, Jets, etc. podcast, and they asked me who was going to be this year's Patrick Williams as the guy who shoots up the board and is kind of a shock that he goes that high. And I said, I think it's going to be Josh Giddy, And I said, I think it's going to be Josh Giddy to the Thunder. It, that would be the weird thing that happened. But I said that literally like that would be crazy, right? You know, not that it's, <laughs> I didn't think it was going to happen, but it happened. And Look, Giddy, I mean, as a pass, every pass in the book, kind of a connector playing off SGA, you're giving SGA some more off-ball reps. He's going to make a ton of really great decisions. Versatile, tall, jump shot, I don't think is broken, looks like it could come around. But man, it's got to hit because he passed on some dudes. Right, And right. And I really am curious about how they view SGA as a prospect. I really am. I think that they could play together for sure, but the roster, I I don't know the upside. I'm fine with it. I I, Mm. I really, I really am. I, you know, when you you think about it, like he is a guy that could have monstrous upside if the shot comes around, because as maybe as awkward as he looks like his handle is tight. He does have a little bit more shake than it appears. Right. And I like how he plays with change of pace and, you know, stuff like that. And I like how he gets out in transition. We said in the Giddy podcast, he's got a little bit more bounce than you would expect. Yeah. Certainly has the things that he needs to work on defensively. It's going to be a, a question mark, but I, I like the, the playmaking aspect. And if, you know, if, if he works out, Sam Presti will look like a genius again. And if not, I guess he's got 47 more shots at it over the next three years. So, um, but that, that was where the chaos started. Moving off from the chaos, mm-hmm. one, two, three went chalk. Yeah. Do we think the, these were the best fits for everyone? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Pretty straightforward for me. Yeah. You know what's funny? I actually think that the way that the top five played out, even with mm-hmm. Scotty going to Toronto, yeah, I think it worked out the best for everybody. Like, I think Jalen going to Orlando 
That's fine. Is is a really good situation for him. I mean, Toronto would have been great too, but I feel like Orlando, he's, you know, going to be able to, he'll be the face of that, that franchise. He can grow with them. He won't have as much pressure to maybe be that guy who comes in and, and continues mm-hmm. and, and replaces Kyle Lowry. Uh, he can just build that culture there with Franz, uh, who we, I think we predicted Franz to Orlando in, in our mock draft. So not shocking there. And, and Franz is an, you know pretty versatile guy, and at least he has a semblance of a jumper. Mm-hmm. Uh, Scotty, uh, if Scotty was going to go anywhere, I like his fit way better with the Raptors than the Magic. And then, sure. you know, the top three guys, you could have made the argument that any one of them could have gone to any of the spots. They were good enough that they're going to make it work anywhere, right? Mm-hmm. Um Kaminga falls to Golden State, and and a lot of people were questioning whether or not Golden State would actually make the Kaminga move, or were they going to take the the more win now, ready made player? But they did it. They went with the potential. What do right. you think? The right move? I, you know, Corey, I, I think I don't think I'm alone in thinking this, but I do wonder if, like, okay, what if Kaminga and Moody are guys that they drafted for somebody else? It's not too late. You know, they could still no. they could still deal those guys. Um, that could be a part of something else. And I think the assets of Moody and Kaminga are really interesting. Like I think like if if they call Washington and they're looking for a deal for Bradley Beal, I think that's interesting. But I mean the Wizards might just have like way too many way too many wings at that point with uh Avdia freaking Hachimura yeah, really? and and Bertans as well. Like that, that's like five wings. But you know, what I'm saying is like I, I like the move. Even if they keep him, I think Kaminga, like the upside of that, I don't remember what podcast I heard this on, but they were saying like, okay, if Kaminga and Wiseman hit, that's a really interesting young core that you have moving forward right and like you and i we're really high on wiseman we think wiseman's going to be really good i'm still yeah like i I really do believe wiseman just needs another two three years to be awesome like i think he's gonna be really freaking good and then i i you know i've consistently been a little bit higher on kaminga than most and i i think there's stuff there you know we talked about it Corey. like i think you were the one who said like everyone bashes on his g league play but his G League play also had good moments. Like I think people yeah. are so quick to like take to ride that narrative and be like, yeah, you know, Kaminga, he sucked in the G League, like he's trash. It's like, all right, relax. Like he was supposed to be a senior in high school. He had some bad moments, but also he had some good moments. Like everyone needs to play back the tape to after the first game of the G League. Re- you remember, Corey? That was like when we first recorded, and everyone was like, "Are we sure that Jalen Green's going to be a top prospect?" Yeah. He went second in the draft, and then everyone's like, "Could it be that Kaminga goes into the top two? And it's like, "Okay, what happened to that guy?" I, I think Kaminga still has that type of upside. So w- once again, for the Warriors, I think if they want to invest in Kaminga, that's cool. If they want to trade him, I think he's a good asset. So I was pretty happy with it. Yeah, it was the right move. I, like you said, it the kid, the kid could still hoop he's got to learn the nuances of the game. And right. I think maybe now after people saw Wiseman come in and look, the Warriors are playing for a championship next year. That's their goal. Clay's going to be back. Steph is uh, another year older and he just had, you know, an MVP caliber year. Draymond's not getting any younger. It seems like Iggy might be back in some capacity, right? Like I mean, they're, they're going to want to right? I mean, they're going to want to play for a championship. Right. And Kaminga is not ready to play for a championship. And Moody isn't either. As the low floor, you know, the high floor, maybe lower ceiling guy, like Moody's not ready to play for a championship. If you I can agree. get and if you can get anything positive out of these guys, then that's a win for them. But like you said, like how many teams would love to just have a Kaminga Wiseman 
moody core, right? Just straight up basement. That's a better core than some of these teams that have been tanking for years. So, you know, for Golden State, you're you're playing it both ways. And like you said, if a if a trade opens up, that's a pretty good start for a team that's probably looking for a rebuild from you know whatever superstar they're moving off of. So I, I think it was the right move. I think that you know his athleticism, his strength, his raw skills, just his age. So it'd be really hard to pass on that because if he just gets to 80% of the player that he's capable of being, and you know, I, I know like Schmidt's always used Jalen Brown as an example. I think that if let's say Jalen Brown was coming out of this draft and the Warriors had taken Jalen Brown, a lot of people would be saying the same things that they said about mm. Kaminga, you know? And uh, so there's definitely a path for Kaminga to, to be that player. And it's, it's going to be up to him. It's going to be about his mindset, but I, I like the upside swing there for, Golden State and then you know they went with kind of who was going to be left over at 14 between the four guys they brought in for the workout with Murphy Moody Davion and um and who and who was the other guy they brought in and Duarte yeah so and uh two of those guys were off the board so they went with you know their best case scenario there so they got a good haul (laughs) they got a good haul and a lot of people thought Moody was going to go before 14 so Well, Corey, question for you. If you were the Warriors at 14 and Moody when Murphy... Oops, sorry, one second. If you were if you were the Warriors at 14 and Moody and Murphy were on the board, who would you have taken? I like Murphy better. Same, same. But I get it. I get the Moody. Moody's younger. You know, um, Murphy was a, a junior. Moody's a little bit younger. He's He's still long. He still has that shooting potential. I just like, especially in Golden State's context, I liked Murphy better because I think that there's less question about his shooting Same. for me because Moody has some things that he does need to fix. He leans back a little bit too much on his shot. Um, I think, you know, Murphy's athleticism is a little bit more easily translatable. It's a little more fluid. He, I, I like, you know, Moody's long as hell, but so is Murphy. I think Murphy maybe is a little bit more ready to contribute while still having that kind of, you know, potential. And he's just a pure shooter. So I would have done that, but who knows? I mean, maybe Moody has looked a lot better in workouts. And when he went into that two on two, maybe he looked really good. And we've said that Moody's a guy who could average 20 points in a season one day. So it's, it's not a bad swing. He just gives me like Otto Porter jr. Vibes. Hmm. Uh, he always has. There's always like he's. I've never seen that like killer. Like I'm gonna go out, develop into this big time scorer. Uh, and I'm not saying Murphy is that guy, but I just like Murphy's skill set a little bit. Even even if it seems a little more vanilla, mm-hmm. I don't always think that's a bad thing in players I, that you're looking at. I thought defensively too. I thought Murphy was a little bit more consistent for me. Um, I thought his size, you you talk about translatable. I think Moody, you know, he's got great length and stuff like that, but I really liked Murphy's, um, height advantage too. I think Murphy's like an inch or two taller, um, good length. I thought he did a really good job guarding guards. And so, you know, just thinking about like, okay, if the Warriors were to keep these guys, I feel like Murphy is a guy that can like, he could potentially play from day one next to Clay and Mm. Steph. And so that was like my only thought process, but I'm with you, dude. Like I think you and I, we both liked Moody when we did the Moody episode. I don't think we were hard on him. Like we were hard on, you know, uh, Keon and Zaire, which I, which I think is a really good transition because 10 was the next shocker for us. Right. 
Well, I, I was going to ask you, what was a bigger shocker for you, Davion to the Kings at nine or Zaire at 10 to Memphis? Okay, so Corey, this is a question that ever since we talked about recording today, I've been thinking about this question to throw at you because I really want to get your insight on this. For me, I'm hearing everybody smash the Davion pick at nine, which... Yeah. Like, I think theoretically I can understand, right? Like, we have De'Aaron Fox, we have Tyrese Halliburton, why gra- grab Davion Mitchell? But, like, my thing is, like, why is it bad to strengthen a strength? Like, you get what I'm saying? Like, I understand, yeah. like, people are thinking, like, okay, like, fit-wise, they could have grabbed somebody else. But it's like, you and I are extremely high on Davion Mitchell, and obviously the Kings were, too, to grab him at nine. And my thing is, like, why does it become a bad thing? Like, I always think about it from baseball, right? In baseball, yeah. you have five starting pitchers. But what is the one of the oldest sayings in baseball? It's, you can never have enough pitching. Right. And I think that really kind of translates here for me. I'm like, yeah, De'Aaron Fox is a really good point guard. Tyrese Halliburton had a really good first year. And I think anyone who's saying that Halliburton's going to bulk up and play the three, like you're kidding yourself. Like, I don't think yeah. that's an option at all. But like, why is that a bad thing? Like, I, I don't get that at all. And ultimately, like, if you're thinking about potentially trading Buddy Hill, De'Aaron Fox, whatever, like you have options now and Davion. Like, I don't know. I, I think he's kind of the perfect guy to play next to a Halliburton because Halliburton's such a good creator. And Davion, maybe not that level of a creator, but you talk about Davion attacking the rim, him defensively, his spot up shooting. Like, I, I just. So, Corey, once again, my question to you is like, a lot of people are smashing that pick. I don't see that at all. Um, I think, if anything, they just strengthened a strength, and that's never a bad thing, in my opinion. But at the same time, I'm not saying like it was the greatest pick ever, but I, I don't know if it's worth smashing either. No, I, it shocked me. It was definitely like, oh, Sacramento. Like, we didn't hear any buzz about right. Davion to Sacramento. It was all Franz, Franz, Franz. Look, you said it. Go get your guy, man. Like, if if you think that Davion is a player and he's the best on the board, I had him as the best available on the board at that point because I had him, you know, even higher than that. And like you said, like he he fits with Halliburton, and I think he fits with Fox. I think Davion and Halliburton are one and a halves. Mm-hmm. They might not be pure ones. They might not be pure twos. They're one and a halves, but they're one and a halves with completely different skill sets, right? So in that sense, they kind of complement each other. Halliburton's a little bit more perimeter oriented, not going to do a lot of driving to the hoop. Davion is great at getting to the hoop with his speed. And now he could drive and kick to Halliburton. So we saw what a one and a half looks like playing off of De'Aaron Fox. I think that Davion and De'Aaron Fox can definitely share a backcourt. And I think that Davion defensively is good enough that he's going to be able to guard the one or the two, even at what was it? What did he measure in six foot without shoes? Yeah. The only player in uh, the NBA currently (laughs) who doesn't get to play with shoes on. Yeah, so six one with a six four, six five wingspan, whatever it was, six four and a half, and a guy who, like a boxer, is going to crowd your space and take away that that size advantage. So I think defensively they're going to be fine. And when he's playing with De'Aaron Fox, I mean the speed in that backcourt, the pace that they're going to be able to play with, right. Right. it's going to be deadly. I mean to keep up with one of those guys, let alone two. So. I'm I'm for it. And it's not like Davion's a non-shooter. I know that that's what people are worried about. But 
if you can make his life easier playing off of the catch rather than doing all the fancy creation that he could do, I mean, I'm for it. And look, maybe Darren Fox is a guy who's going to request a trade at some point. Who knows? But the other thing is, is like, does when you draft somebody, do they have to start right away? Right. <laughs> They're rookies. Like rookies are typically, even the good rookies are not that good. So like they don't have to start right away. Halliburton didn't start right away. Right. And then they come in, they play, they learn the role, they get they get used to it, and then you figure it out from there. But and especially with the league going smaller and smaller, like like you said, I don't think Halliburton's playing the three, but like you're definitely gonna see some three guard lineups. I mean, uh, you know, look at uh a couple of years ago, Billy Donovan in OKC played Schroeder, Chris Paul, and SGA all at the same time, and it was really effective. So, you know, it, it might get you in trouble in a, a playoff series or something, but if you're running that lineup out every now and then in the regular season, like let's worry about the regular season and getting to the playoffs for the Kings before they worry about right. what disadvantages they'll be in the playoffs. And I just think he's a, he's a guy who's a winner and he, the Kings need these guys who are going to reset their culture. And I think they've crushed the last two drafts. I mean, yeah. they've done a great job. I'm putting my faith that maybe they know a little bit, more about what they're doing than you know some of the people in the uh in the draft sphere so yeah no, i was fine dude, with I, it i i 100 percent agree with you and i think it's like it's just i don't know man like I, it really kind of bothered me that everybody was like smashing it because like i think the surprise factor is exactly what you said i think we were all expecting franz but franz went off the board at eight then they're going to take the next best guy on their board and that was davion and like yeah like once again yeah i just I don't get the hate for it. I well, think most people, people are just most people. Most people don't like Davion Mitchell as a prospect that much, <sighs> and that's that's what it comes down to is that most people just don't think Davion is going to be a good prospect, or they think he's going to be fine. But he's one of those guys. He's just like he's going to outperform his draft yeah. position, at, or he's going to be better than a lot of the guys who have this potential that they just never get to reach. And uh, but I think that's the crux of it. It's just that they just don't like Davion that much because he's a short guy who can't shoot. That's what that's what the book is the the mm-hmm. simple version of what people think about him. But and he's older, yeah, yeah, and he's older. But again, yeah. he's not Duarte old, right? <laughs> you know, he's he's not Duarte old. He's he's still right. he's still got room, uh, you know, to grow and improve, and he's got things that he could work on. And that's what, like, when we talk about potential, like he still has the potential to get better because he has things that are fixable that he can work on. And that that's what it comes down to for me. But, you know, mentioning Zaire, Zaire was truly like, God, you know, I mean, that was crazy. That, that one, I was like, what the fuck is going on? Cause, (laughs) cause Memphis traded up to 10. They took on two bad contracts to take Zaire Williams. And they lost Jonas. Right. They lost Jonas, traded up, took on contracts to reach for Zaire Williams, who if you want to talk about a project, I mean, regular NBA draft project, reclamation project, whatever it is, I get it. The kid had a rough go at it circumstance-wise at Stanford. I get it. But you know what is the circumstance that I think affected him the most? That he was finally the number one option on a team. Mm. That's Mm. what affected him the most. He's never been the number one option 
on one of these high level teams. Not not at Sierra Canyon, not in FIBA play. Right. Not even I think in his AAU teams, you know, like now he was the number one option. And guess what? It's not easy. And a lot of those shot creation abilities, like they're not going to translate his finishing, his body, his body was not great. So I get it. The injury, the bike injury, the the family stuff, the living out of a hotel. He's going to have to live out of a hotel next year. He's going to be on the road for blocks of time. Right. Are we just going to be like, oh, he's never going to be able to play on the road because he's got to live out of a hotel? Like that sucks, but that's part of NBA life, you know? Um, Mm. So if that's something he's going to struggle with, I'm sorry, I can't get on, on board with that. But to for Memphis to do that, they better this kid better be shooting the fuck out of the ball in these workouts. He better be sh- his handle better be real tight because everybody says that this kid's got this smooth <sighs> handle and I'm sorry, he just doesn't. He, he never doesn't. has. It's been sloppy as hell. I you know, there's the he hit this game winner against Sierra Canyon, right? That that everybody, I'm sure a lot of people have seen and I'm telling you to go back and watch it. It's the sloppiest shit ever and he really just like it's crazy that the ball didn't get stolen and it kind of like, it's just the sloppiest game winner ever. And the shot pretty pull up went in, knocked it down, you know, ice in his, his veins. Like, but the, the way he got to it, it's like, Mm -hmm. you see why it didn't translate at the next level. So his highlights, his step back, like I'll give it to him. His step back creates a lot of space, but it's all the stuff before he can get to that is where he really struggles. And, the one thing I'll say is that in Memphis, he's not going to have to do that. Jaw's going to handle the ball so much that Zaire, I think, is going to be able to play that ideal version that we've been saying that he could thrive in, playing in that Mikhail Bridges-type role where he's just like catching and shooting, playing defense, getting out in transition. Now, if Memphis wants him to be that number two option, then I think we got problems, but if they see him as more of like a supercharged role player and that's his potential, then I can get on board with the upside swing. I just think the price for a guy that they probably could have drafted just by staying put and taking on those contracts. I I did not like it, but you know, one of the draft rules that I've, I think we've had over the last few years is what would Memphis do? Well, we're going to, we're going to find out how good that that is. Cause it seems like it's a little easy to take those draft, Twitter guys late in the draft where there's not mm-hmm. really a penalty if you miss on them. Mm-hmm. When you trade up for a kid like this with these right. question marks, we're going to see how good that that Memphis front office really is at evaluating talent. Well, Corey, this is my biggest issue. Ready? Like, this is my biggest problem with this pick. The fact that they, as you mentioned, took on Steven Adams, Eric Bledsoe, and they and they moved up for the 10th pick in the draft. My biggest issue is look at who New Orleans took at 17. That's I think that's my biggest yeah. issue with with I, with this pick because I much rather have the guy at seventeen in Trey yeah. Murphy like that I that's the thing that totally baffles me is like you literally lost Jonas Valanciunas who was such a pivotal part of that team and their success and the fact that they even made the playoffs last year you lose Jonas you add Stephen Adams and Eric Bledsoe and we know what a problem Eric Bledsoe is in terms of playing with. So you take on those guys, those contracts, and then you take Zaire Williams at 10 when I would much rather have Trey Murphy. That's the part that completely baffles me. And on top of that, Corey, I do want to say, like, I don't mean to hate on people, but I remember I was listening to the pre-draft 
like mock draft uh, episode of the Bill Simmons pod where he had Kevin O'Connor on and Ryan Rosillo. I love Kevin O'Connor, but I hated what he said about Zaire Williams. He was like, Zaire Williams has a silky smooth handle. And I'm like, KOC, like, I love you, brother, but that that can't be farther from the truth. Like, we saw Zaire make some of the ugliest, sloppiest turnovers of any prospect we've seen. Like, honestly, some of the stuff that he was doing with his handle was, like, worse than some centers. It was like, what the hell are we watching here? And just considering that and who they could have had at 17, I'm like, Corey, like, straight up, I'd rather have Jonas Valanciunas and Trey Murphy. It's as simple as that for me. So, like, I, I was completely baffled by it. I mean, the fact that they moved, maybe they originally wanted Giddy and they didn't think Giddy was going to go six. But even for, I don't know, even with Giddy, yeah. I'm like, even that fit, we talked about that before the draft. Like, we don't love that fit either of Giddy next to Jaw. So right. I think ultimately now we're having some real questions about the Grizzlies and their decision making. And look, I, I, I'm with you, Corey. Maybe they see something. Maybe this is the ideal role for Zaire and he'll be better as a 6'10 defensive destroyer, like Jay Man said to us. Um, but, I'd still much rather have Jonas Valanciunas and Trey Murphy is kind of where I'm landing. Yeah, I 100% would as well. Um, unfortunately, that wasn't the biggest what-the-fuck moment of the night. Right. Because a couple of picks later, we got Josh Primo to the Spurs. That that was crazy. The Zaire stuff, I know we just spent probably yeah. too much time yeah. kind of on the pessimistic side of Zaire. But the Primo thing was fucking wild. I mean, we were up out of our seats like right. like fucking – I mean, that was crazy. And the thing is, it's just like, why at 12? You All you heard leading up to the draft, the Knicks are trying to trade up to get their guy. They have 19 and 21 to offer. If you're the Spurs – you're telling me that you can't get Josh Primo at 19. You can't get him at 21. Now, look, he was, if it wasn't the Spurs, he was probably still going in the 20 to 25 range. That's right. what I was hearing. Um, I, I believe that a team was going to take him in that range. I even could have seen him going. 18, 19, somewhere there, and not have been like completely shocked by it. But to go lottery for a kid that's as raw as he is, you know, we talk about these raw, these raw prospects. That kid's raw. And he's got a, a lot of fun skills, but they're all really theoretical. And I look at the Spurs roster, I look at what they've been doing in free agency. And they are just a rudderless franchise right now with no direction, with a bunch of guys that are like pretty good. And I like, where does Primo fit into this? How long is it going to be before he steps foot on the court in any kind of role? Especially with that backcourt. It's so crowded. I don't know. I, I can't imagine there wasn't, there weren't a bunch of people in, in that San Antonio War room, just going. No, got to be somebody else. Can't take him this high. Can't do it. And I, I don't know, R.C. Buford, I don't know if, if he's the one that was on top of it. Obviously, Pop is, you know, I know, I know a lot of people like to rip Pop because he's in, 
you know, uh, he's coaching the Olympic team right now. I'm sure he uh, was doing his homework. He's a capable basketball mind. I'm not going to start think that just because he's doing something else that he can't also watch uh, a couple of uh, college basketball games here and there. But I don't know, man. That thing that was a that might have been one of the craziest picks I've ever I've ever seen in a draft. No, uh, Corey. So okay, before we talked about young talented groups, right? We talked about the Warriors and ha- how they have Wiseman, Moody, Kaminga. That's awesome. We talked about the Kings. Everyone gave the Kings crap for Davion Mitchell, but they've got Davion, De'Aaron Fox, and Tyrese Halliburton. You talk about. What was another team that I was thinking? Even Memphis, before they took Zaire, they took Desmond Bain at 30 last year. That was a great pick. Brandon Clark suddenly is not getting playing time. I don't, I don't know what's going on with that. But whatever. You know, Dylan Brooks, a great pick for them, whatever. The, my biggest problem with the San Antonio Spurs is where is the fun, exciting young talent on that team? They took a shot at Lonnie Walker. That hasn't really worked out. They took a shot at DeJounte Murray. Everyone's been talking about DeJounte Murray for four years now. I'm still not that impressed with DeJounte Murray, and I don't get it, right? Now they take Josh Primo. I think what you said about him being theoretical is so important because we watched Josh Primo. We never got to do an episode on Josh Primo. I watched nope. a good amount of Josh Primo. He shot, what, 38% from three? Congrats. I'm not I'm not sold that he's going to be a 38% three-point shooter. I, I just, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. And I think, Corey, what you mentioned, you watched some of his tape, right? You know, some workout tape, and he was missing some shots, right? Um, The ball handling stuff. Okay, as you mentioned, that's still theoretical. He's still really, really young. I think everyone so far, like, I look, I've heard some pods, and they're like, okay, Primo, they got their guy at 12. Why are we hating on on the Spurs for getting their guy at 12? I think the, the, the easy answer is exactly what you said, and I feel exactly – we said it draft night. You and I, we looked at each other, and we're like, they could have traded down. They could have. Yeah. And if they did trade down and still missed out on Primo, you're telling me that if they had 19 and 21, the 19 and 21, the guys that they could have gotten there wouldn't be more valuable than Primo? I don't know. Like my, my mind is like kind of all over the place and I'm just, I don't know why we need to give San Antonio the benefit of the doubt when Lonnie Walker and DeJounte Murray really haven't worked out. Like Vassell, good pick last year, but we don't know what Vassell's going to be yet. You know, so yeah. like, I don't know if they deserve the benefit of the doubt that they're getting from like the general media right now. I didn't love the pick. I think Primo, as you mentioned, is really theoretical, really, really young. I They could have got him later is exactly how I feel. Yeah, that, that that's straight up. If Primo's your guy, that's fine. But you could, I think you could have traded down for him and picked up additional assets. And that's my big gripe. I I think that he just the value that they had at that pick with all of the other stuff that we had heard about teams trying to move up in the draft, it just didn't make sense. But if the kid turns out to be an all star, all will be forgotten, right? Yeah, good for him. All will be forgotten. Um, our uh, our twenty five year old brethren uh, Chris Duarte to Indiana. I thought that that was I thought that Indiana was gonna pick Duarte for the Knicks when I saw mm. Duarte to Indiana, and there were the rumors that the Knicks were trying to trade up with Indiana. There was a little bit of smoke there. I thought it was a pick for the Knicks that was gonna be announced later on, but they just took him. They just took him. I I. I don't hate it. Mm-hmm. I don't hate it. I He's mm-hmm. a guy that I think Carlisle will play. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that Indiana team is pretty talented. So 
they got another wing that, who could shoot. I, I mean, everybody on Indiana is like fine to pretty good. Mm-hmm. I think contextually it makes more sense now because they just lost uh, Dougie McBuckets today with yep. McDermott leaving. I think it makes yeah. a little bit more sense as to the he's kind of like, right, right, to <laughs> the Spurs. And they drafted Wieskamp too. Look, look, Spur- God damn it. Like the Spurs, are we sure they're awake at the wheel? Whatever. Um, but anyway, the Pacers, I, I think it makes sense now. Duarte's kind of like uh, McDermott insurance. And, you know, I think there are some questions about what they're going to do with Brogdon. I hope they don't let Brogdon go. I think Brogdon was really good last year and it has been yeah. really good. Like, why would you let him go? And he hasn't really had the crazy injury issues that they were worried about. So yep. just let him rock and let him, you know, I think he'll be that much better under Carlisle too. And like, you know, I, I think ultimately they're going to let Turner go. But I mean, what does that mean? They're going to, didn't they end up with Isaiah Jackson anyway? So yeah, I just, um, I don't mind the pick. I don't know who else they could have taken there. Maybe like the one for one would have been letting McDermott go and gra- drafting Kispert, but you kind of have to like the Duarte playmaking upside and his defensive ability. I think Duarte is going to be a really engaged, tough defender. I don't know if he's going to be like all NBA defender, but I like him as a defender a lot. Um, and the playmaking is there. Like the playmaking upside is definitely there. And he shot the ball really well in college. And I think that's just going to translate. So I'm with you, man. I actually like the pick a good amount. Yeah. And I, I like Isaiah Jackson there too. I, I mean, me too. He is another guy that doesn't quite fit with Sabonis, but he's super talented, has all kinds of potential. And, you know, you were able to get him at 22. So I think it was a, a really pretty solid draft for them because you were able to get the, the older contributor and the young guy with upside. So right. I think that the Pacers did well. I think both of those guys are going to be in the league for a while. You know, I don't think I don't really have any questions as far as how long those guys careers are going to be. I have some correct questions with some of these other guys in the draft that maybe they could flame out, but I think both of those guys at least are going to be NBA guys. So to get that at 13 and 22, I think, uh, you know, job well done. So upside swing and the safe guy. Kispert to the Wizards. Man. You know who's the winner of on, on the Wizards? Who? Denny Abdia. Russell Westbrook gets traded. And now this team maybe can start making a little bit more sense. Because mm. Denny just stood in a corner in the corner as a spot-up shooter last year. Everybody knew that's not what you draft right. him for. That's not the kind of player he is. Now maybe the ball will move around a little bit more. Everybody will have opportunities to play make a little bit more. And maybe you'll see a little bit more upside there. Kispert, you could tell me, you could have thrown a dart at the wall. Mm-hmm. And I would have been like, Kispert's a good pick there because he'll fit anywhere. Yeah. Or maybe not a good pick. Like he probably, you know, shouldn't have went over Cade, but uh, he'll fit on any roster construction. Right. So um, they have a lot of shooting now, you know, Mm -hmm. Beal, Kispert, um, you know, that's, that's a a good amount of, and Bertans. uh, Bertans, like they got some, they got some snipers. They got guys in Hachimura who, Mm -hmm. you know, is an interesting scorer. Denny, I think, has some interesting stuff going on. So I, I like I like what they did. I, obviously, Russ wasn't the long-term fit mm-hmm. there. They got Aaron Holiday, right? Is that right. – that was uh, – he went to the Wizards in that they trade? They did. 
right? I like, yeah. I've always liked Aaron Holiday. I was, mm-hmm. I liked him in the draft. Um, I'd like to see him in the expanded role. Don't think he's going to make Beal happy, but I think that, you know, at least they have good NBA players. And my guy Cassius Winston, hopefully he gets a little bit uh, mm-hmm. uptick in in burn. I liked Cassius Winston a lot in that draft. Yeah, well, he's really tiny. Good. He's really tiny on an NBA floor, though. He looks tinier than I expected him to look. <laughs> but um, I think he could be a backup guard for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cass- Cassius was our favorite old guy last year. Remember, yeah. we he was the yeah. old guy that we both liked last year, so I'm cool with that. And and I did want to say really quickly, Corey, before we move on, um, you and I are are higher on Kispert than others, I think, because I think a lot of people see Kispert as like a McDermott, just like a shooter, like mostly just a shooter. Um, I I don't see that at all. I, I still think there's a lot of I I think there's a lot, a lot of shit to Kispert that I like. Mm-hmm. Like, remember, we talked about, like, I've always talked about, like, the boxing out and, like, the random little things, like, his floor game that I've always been into. Um, I think he offers a lot more than just the shooting. And then, of course, like, if we just focus and isolate the shooting, like, lights out shooter. Like, he's going to be such a goddamn good shooter. So, didn't want to throw that in there. Like, yeah, I'm kind of with you. Like, and also, on top of that, like, what else would they have done at 15 that would have, like, wowed you either? Like, I don't know. Like, I, I think it was a fu- it, it's just, it's a good pick. It's fine. Yeah, it's they're not going to regret it. They probably exactly, won't, and it will also won't change their the future of their franchise. So, I mean, it's that's not always the worst strategy to, mm-hmm. to take in your draft. And uh, at least he could play off of their star, and he fits. Mm-hmm. So that you know, um, the thun, You know, we talked about Giddy with the Thunder. They also got Trey Man, um, and then who I like. I, I, I mm. like there. They're going all in on the uh, the kind of just shot making creators, right. you know, with SGA and and just ball multiple ball handlers. SGA, Trey Man, Giddy. Um, so I, I like I like Trey Man there. I think that's pretty good value. When Trey Man, Trey Murphy, Duarte, when all these guys started going off the board, how how much were you sweating as a, a Knicks fan? I know I was kind of pissed, dude. Honestly, like for me, I really wanted Trey Murphy to be there. Like we've talked a lot about Trey Murphy. Like I, I just thought he would have been perfect on this Knicks roster. Like we, we just lost Reggie Bullock today. Um, I thought, you know, if we had Murphy, like we would feel a lot better about that. But, um, yeah, I was definitely sweating. And then like we ended up trading back twice and I was kind of thankful because. At 19, I think uh, Kai Jones went there, and then 21 was Keon Johnson, like two of my least favorite players. I mean, Corey, you saw my reaction to when um, – because I didn't yeah. know the Knicks had traded 21. So when they announced Keon Johnson to the Knicks at 21, I almost – dude, I, I almost quit. Like I was like so <laughs> you done. Walked, I was really- you got up. You walked into the dark, the vast darkness of the Barclay Center. I couldn't even see you. <laughs> I, I tried filming it, and it didn't oh, even record. It You couldn't dude. see. It just looked like – black ether i was um, pissed yeah the the trade back it was really anticlimactic for the knicks yeah. there but the grimes stuff the grimes pick didn't surprise me at all because i, I forgot who reported somebody reported it they said he had like a killer workout for the knicks so yeah that, that didn't shock me at all but you know mm-hmm. as far as new york drafts go mm-hmm. cam thomas passing on cam and him landing in brooklyn it's trash. I can't believe I'm kind of I'm shocked that he dropped uh as far it's as trash. he did because there were so 
much smoke about him like potentially being a lottery guy and he got invited to the green room. He was the last right. guy to get picked out of the 20 guys they invited and uh he falls to Brooklyn. Um mm-hmm. now I don't know I don't know how much I love him there. Mm-hmm. I know he's going to come in and try to fill the Shamit role. I know mm-hmm. he could play on or off the ball, mm-hmm. but like really, he's just playing off the ball. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, unless like, you know, Kyrie goes and does one of his, you know, MIA for nine day kind of things, or there's some Part injuries or whatever, right? Like, I, there's only one ball to go around. They already have three guys like that, but he also won't have to worry about uh, passing the ball at all, and he can just go in and get buckets. But I just would have loved to see him go somewhere where he could have had a little bit bigger of a role and grow into a bigger role. I, I feel like he's never going to get the burn there. Mm. Even in a couple, like as long as Harden and Kyrie are in that backcourt, I'm not sure how much burn Cam Thomas is going to get. So it's a little disappointing to me that there he can't grow into a more prominent role where I think he's the kind of player that, you know, could one day be a 20 point per game scorer and not just like a microwave guy. You know, that, that was the reason we were so excited about him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for me, I, I was, I was upset that we didn't take him. Like I really thought like my thing with cam is like, you watch this guy and you watch his interviews and he's like one of those like, perpetually pissed off guys and i always love those types of guys like perpetual chip on the shoulder like i'm angry at the world type of guys like i feel like those guys always find a way to be successful um and my biggest thing with cam thomas is like he didn't play on it we talked about it on his on his pod like he did not play on a good lsu team and they just asked him like hey go and get buckets so he's like okay i'm gonna go and get buckets and then when it's draft time everyone's like yeah all he did was look up for his own shot it's like well he kind of did what they asked him to do and you're going to give him shit for it. Like F you, you know, like it's kind of how I feel. Um, But at the same time, he showed flashes off the ball and he did good stuff there. I'm just like, damn, like the Knicks could kind of use that guy. Like we just gave Alec Burks $30 million over three years to kind of do. I like that contract. No, no, I like it too. I like it too. But like, I don't, I actually love what the Knicks did today. I don't, I don't hate it at all. A lot of people are giving the Knicks shit today for what they did. Like I'm totally fine with it. But at the same time, like I, I would have liked Cam Thomas on the Knicks. Like, I feel like he, like, I don't know, even as a spot-up shooter, I kind of like him better that better than Grimes as a shooter. Like, let's say, like, if that's where all we're going to ask Cam Thomas to do is to shoot off, like, you know, catch and shoot, I think he's a better shooter than Quentin Grimes. I, I honestly feel that way, but whatever. Like, uh, maybe they think Grimes is, like, a better defender or whatever. Like, I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I really liked Cam, Cam Thomas a lot, and like you, I was shocked he fell to 27. Um, but one thing I will say, though, Corey... He's gonna get a PhD level education in terms of ISO scoring from those three guys. So yeah. maybe that'll yes. help him in the long run. <laughs> yes. Yeah, he's still gonna be uh, a bucket in the league no matter what. Nobody, nobody's stopping Cam Thomas yeah. from from getting buckets. Um, like he's not Marshawn Brooks, is what I want to say. Yeah. Right. Another yeah. ex Brooklyn net. <laughs> <laughs> New Jersey net. Yeah, <laughs> baby Kobe. Himself, right. himself the the kai jones to to charlotte smoke was real but was i real. see i don't mind them yeah. going and getting kai in that scenario because right. they they took book night at 11 book night slid a little bit 
I don't know if I want to call it a big time slide. He was sliding based on the hype that he was getting prior to, you know, after the combine, his workouts or whatever. But that's really the area that Book Knight was in for a lot of the year. Mm-hmm. So they took the guy who was a little bit more of a sure thing, fit their backcourt mate. They they lost Devontae Graham to the Pelicans today. Right. So he can kind of fill that role. Um, I, we've always loved him off ball. So, you know, I think playing with LaMelo and, and that kind of creator, it's best case scenario for his career. Although it seems as though he wasn't that excited apparently to, uh, it's what it looked like. I don't know. Um, but I think when you're running the wing and LaMelo ball is giving you, you know, three to four easy shots a game, you're going to be, uh, just, Happy just perfectly it. content with, with your situation. But Kai Jones, I mean, you know, we were not high on him this year. We, we liked Isaiah Jackson better. Um, yes. Still do. Yes. Big time contingent of Kai fans at the Barclay center going crazy when he got called. It was, it got loud. They loved, they loved them some Kai Jones. I don't know. Uh, I think it was his family. They were, uh, they were going crazy. And, um, if you're going to go to a team, Charlotte's a good team for the same reasons book night is going to get easy buckets. Kai is going to get easy buckets there for, but to me, it's not even the offense. It's, you know, it's still, he's going to be a process on the defensive side of the ball. Just, you know, learning the nuances of one of the most important defensive positions to, to play in the NBA. But uh, if anybody's going to make the most of his offensive talent, it's definitely going to be a playmaker like LaMelo ball. So I, I, I know that, Personally, I think there were other guys I probably would have taken the chance on, like Isaiah Jackson in that situation, but I can't hate on that. That was the guy they were infatuated with, and they got him. And they got him. Yeah. Yeah. I would rather see Isaiah Jackson there. Um, yeah, me too. We're, we're so hard on Kai Jones, but I will say them not taking him at 11 makes way more sense like if they took him at 11 over it like book night was still there on the board right, and they took yeah. him at 11 we would have freaked out like honestly we would have freaked out but then them trading for 19 and honestly the the pick that they traded to the knicks is like heavily protected so essentially yeah it, they didn't give up too much for him i guess it makes sense it's a nice upside play i'm still pretty low on him um but yeah i can't hate it i can't yeah. it better than taking him at 11 yeah. He'll look he'll look better in Charlotte than he'll look in other places. Um, Correct. But we'll see if he's the long term answer. Speaking of upside plays, though, uh, the Atlanta Hawks at pick twenty. I like Atlanta's draft. Jalen Johnson at twenty is that's good value, man. And if you go to Atlanta, you don't have to worry about using Jalen Johnson as some on ball creator. Like they got a little bit of John Collins insurance. They got another guy who's crazy athletic and is going to be like a roll man, dive man, a guy who's can can guard multiple positions. Like you could throw Cam Reddish, DeAndre Hunter, and Jalen Johnson on the floor at the same time and give a different look. Um, I like it. And then mm-hmm. at pick forty eight, right? Forty eight. Yeah. They got Sharif. Insane. I mean, I know a lot of Bulls fans were real upset that we went with Io Donsumu over Sharif Cooper. I can't say that I wouldn't have preferred Sharif there. I like Io, but um, I think after the Bulls free agency with Lonzo Ball and Alex Caruso, you know, it's a little bit easier to stomach, but Sharif at 48, 
I'm not stoked about the fit there. Like, obviously, mm. sis, like systematically, he'll be fine because he, he's just like the poor man's version of Trey, mm. you know, the non-shooting version. <laughs> but you could still see him getting to the spots and doing uh, a whole bunch of the stuff Trey does and the, the Hawks not really losing much. But um, I wish that he had gone somewhere, even if it was the second round, where he could have been given the ball and an opportunity to have a little bit bigger of a role. And just, I would have liked to see him in that context because, you know, let's be honest, he's always going to be Trey Young's backup in Atlanta. You can't play Trey and, and Sharif together all that much, you know, like, cause you can't, you're not going to survive defensively with both of those guys on the floor. So there's not a lot of lineup versatility. And uh, so I'm a little bummed in that regard, but, you know, as far as like Sharif looking good and having options to hit as a playmaker, like he's going to look awesome when he is in the game, you know, hitting all of the offensive options they have. So I, for, I think Sharif's going to look good. I just wish that he was in a position where he could play a little bit more from the jump. Okay. Can I zag here a little bit just because Yeah. my only question with Jalen Johnson there is they've got a lot of bigs, man. Like they've got Clint. They've got Onyeka. They've got um, uh, John Collins. Um, I don't know. Like, I wonder how much he'll well, be we'll, able to we'll see. Play. We'll, we'll see what happens with John Collins in free agency. That's a good point. That is a good point. Yeah. I, just the, my money, gut the, the, money's running out, the money's running out, though. <laughs> <laughs> also, we should mention that Jared Allen got $100 million today. Like, that's... You did. That's that's a big number. Like, I think it's cool. Like, I think I like the fit of Jared Allen, Evan Mobley, and um, Okoro. Like, defensively, that's terrifying. But still $100 million bucks for Jared Allen. Anyway, um, so wh- who the hell were we talking about? I just got thrown off. Um, Jalen Johnson. Jalen Johnson, yeah. Bigs, All right. Lots yeah, of 20, You know, 20th pick. I Okay. My thing is this, Corey. I think you had Sharif in your top 10, right, on your big board? Am I, am I accurate in saying I, that? Uh, he was either 10 or 11. Okay. Yeah. J- yeah. Just want to say. He was, a guy, he, was right, he was right there. Right. A guy that was, like, around your top 10 when 48th. Like, I was never, like, super high on Sharif Cooper. I still thought he was worthy of a first-round pick. Um, for him to go yeah. 48th was kind of insane. Um, and one thing I did want to say, I like Io to the Bulls. Like, I, I don't mind that at all. Um, oh, I, I yeah, really like Io. Yeah, Io had a really, really good college career. Um, I think his two years, I thought he got better. You know, in his second year, I... I thought he shot the ball, shot the ball really well in his second year too, and just kind of developed really nicely. And I, yeah, I'm, I'm, why not? I, I kind of feel like you guys are going to move off of Kobe White though, uh, with the moves that you're making right oh, now. Kind of, yeah, right. That's kind of, I'm, that's I'm kind of trickling uh, I'm down. In a, I'm in a Bulls group chat on mm-hmm. Twitter. Yeah, and um, they're they love the Bulls these guys it's a bulls group <laughs> chat they should love the bulls right. and uh there's a lot of uh, i mean if you look what we did in our backcourt like mm-hmm. caruso lonzo mm-hmm. zach levine mm-hmm. io mm-hmm. kobe white it's like uh, yeah kobe's gonna be the odd man out eventually right. you know right. like it, he he just is and everybody's like mm-hmm. why would we move off from kobe in, in the group chat today and it's like because what is he bringing to the table that you don't want one of these other guys to kind of bring for you uh, and you're gonna 
I mean, at his salary, like he's going to be a, a weird heat check guy. Like, I don't know. I, <laughs> I like Kobe. I think he, you know, has a, uh, a role somewhere. He's always played hard. He's, he's just not a point guard. Yeah. I don't know if he's quite a shooting guard. He's a weird one and a half, but not in the, the best way. I was never like big on him as a prospect, even coming out of Carolina. I, mm-hmm. I you know, I always wanted Garland over him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I knew that was a long shot. I, I hope he succeeds somewhere, but like you're going into another off season. He's hurt. He, yeah. you know, I think he's out for like five months with a shoulder injury. His main thing is shooting and he's going to be coming off a shoulder. And then he doesn't have an off season. You know, even if he makes it back in time for the regular season, he's not going to have an off season to right. kind of work on his craft. Like for a player like him coming into a crucial year, that's going to hurt him. And uh, he's going to be a guy that Bulls fans are, once they move off of him, Bulls fans are going to be like, man, you know, Kobe never worked out. What a bum, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, you guys were standing him pretty hard when he was here. Um, maybe he comes back and he's awesome, but he showed some really fun flashes in in a, in, you know, a kind of a, a heat check role, but I don't know. I don't see it with this yeah. team anymore. Yeah. I don't yeah. See it. And he I, got better last year. He got better mm-hmm. last year. Definitely as a playmaker, as a point guard. Um, but for a guy whose main thing is shooting, he's just not consistent enough as a shooter. Mm-hmm. And there's a reason why you guys just spent 85 million on Lonzo Ball today. So I, I you know, right. it, it is, it kind of is what it is. Um, and you know, really, and not really quickly, but I think this is a great transition because Corey, uh, this team had one hell of a draft, and I think you were really in love with their draft because they took like three of your favorite guys. But the Houston Rockets, man, like yeah. what? A freaking haul. Like for them to get Jalen Green, Josh Christopher, Alperin Shangoon, and um Garuba, it's like, whoa, that's that legitimately three of your favorite guys. So definitely wanted to hear your thoughts on that because I was like, God damn, that's that's like a haul and a half. Well, the yeah, the Rockets are my winners of the draft. They're my draft mm-hmm. day winners. They got best talent available. Too, I feel like they got best talent available almost anywhere. Like you said, three of my favorite guys, three guys who finished in my top twelve on my big board: Insane. Christopher, Jalen Green, and Shangun. Two guys who were in my top five on my big board mm-hmm. with Shangun and Green, and mm-hmm. then Garuba, who's a guy who is playing real minutes on one of the best teams in the world. The same team that Luka Doncic played on right. in the EuroLeague. And we didn't talk about him a whole bunch. We didn't get the, the, the chance to do an episode on him. But he was a guy that anytime I did talk about him, I said, Garuba's a guy that I know I'm sleeping on having him this low on my board because he very well could be the best defender in the whole draft. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the shot's coming along. He's a fun passer. The Garuba Shengun backcourt. If Shengun's jumper is real, that's a real interesting uh, oh, yeah. front front court. Rather, that's a real interesting front court, and Shengun can kind of trust that Garuba can cover for any of those defensive deficiencies that that people might worry about. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, I mean, you can't say enough about Jalen Green. Josh Christopher is a guy that I believe in 
tremendously. I think he's right. going to get a real opportunity in Houston. I don't think that Kevin Porter Jr., Jalen Green, and Josh Christopher are all going to be on that team in five years. But I'll tell you what. That's like seven billion ball is life YouTube plays right there between those three guys. <laughs> so, I mean, uh, they're going to be exciting. They're going to be fun. I'm, I'm just think. I've been today. I was brainstorming. I was oh, just, I was just thinking, like, how fun are the Jalen Green, Josh Christopher backdoor mm. cuts going to be with Shangun at the elbow? Oh. Just just making beautiful backdoor passes for monster poster mm-hmm. dunks to those two guys. <laughs> Garuba in the corner. Yeah. Just uh, it's just gonna be fucking phenomenal. Just <laughs> even even give me some John Wall coming off oh, a, yeah. a Shengun screen. Shengun in the short roll, and then these guys mm-hmm. cutting baseline. I fucking love it. I want it. I need it. Now we just need some better jerseys for the Rockets. Because they oh, got yeah. they got some guys who need better they deserve a better aesthetic Mm -hmm. they deserve it the rockets jerseys do not do it for me but i fucking love what they did uh kudos if all the draft twitter guys um yeah you know had a a lot of uh say in this process because you guys you guys nailed it i feel (laughs) like this was my draft this is like if you were like you're the rockets what are you trying to do this is who i would try to these are the guys that i would have targeted so um (laughs) yeah i absolutely love what they did I can't, I can't say enough about it. I mean, uh, the Rockets are going to be, you know, one of my top three league pass teams. Or yeah. I, I don't want to say league pass. I don't watch league pass. They'll, they'll be yeah. one of my top three uh, illegal stream teams. <laughs> Corey, I was thinking, like, if you were the Rockets GM, those are literally the four guys you would have taken. Like, okay. I was just laughing by myself. Like, they just took Corey's big – like, these NBA draft guys <laughs> that the Rockets hired, they just went on your your website or they watched your mock draft. It's like, what's yeah. Corey going to do? And just took your four guys because it, it literally is – yeah, that you love those guys, but um, also the fact that um, Jalen Green and Josh Christopher are like close friends. Like, we're gonna see some it. cool handshakes, you know, some like oh, yeah. dancing on the court, all that kind of stuff. And then Garuba's this like foreign guy who speaks fluent Spanish. Um, that's gonna be <laughs> cool. And then like Shangun, like you know, we've freaking praised Shangun up the ass. So like, I I think it's yeah. just gonna be. We didn't even mention Christian Wood or like Jayshon Tate. Like those are like real yep. guys, you know. Like Jayshon yeah. Tate was first team all rookie like that guy is kind of the perfect guy to play with them too like real defensive dog like i think he's gonna do the intangible stuff christian wood it's like all right if it doesn't work out we can trade him um and then john wall will kind of be like the old head like teaching them like hey guys it's like this is the nba and you gotta have a signature dance and you know that kind of john wall will not be Uh, traded yeah, I mean, yeah, well, of course. Um, <laughs> but then John again, you know, anything's possible nowadays, yeah, well, right? So maybe, maybe, um, maybe eventually you got the John Wall for uh, Chris Paul trade when Chris Paul's 39 years old on his uh, 40 plus million dollar a year contract. Um, maybe that's when J- it happens. Or uh, Jimmy Butler at the end of his, his right. match, too. That could happen. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, actually, Corey, I had a question for you. Yeah. Um, talk to me about this because like you and i were not high about on him but i kind of felt like this was not a terrible fit keon johnson to the clippers you know we've we've had many opinions on keon johnson um felt like terrence man insurance if they want to put terrence man in a trade or something but also like kind of like an upside bet um just wanted to get your thoughts on that one 
completely inconsequential to me. <laughs> <laughs> it makes no, it makes absolutely no difference. I, I, I don't know. It, it's a good upside play. Every, you know, obviously, yeah. Keon's a guy that was mocked as high as like what six, seven, seven yeah. like like a month ago. Um, we were obviously never super high on him. I started coming around a little bit more yeah. on him as he started Mid-range. dropping because it was like, all right, now we're talking the right range for him. I, yeah. I think that I probably would have taken him over some guys who went before him. Mm. I will say that. I don't know how many, but definitely some. And um, mm. he, I I just, I don't know. What's the fit? Like, what does he yeah. do? Like, you know, this is where he turns into Iman Shumpert. Because, Ooh, yeah, because he's going to be expected to space the floor, hit threes, which is a work in progress. Yikes! And play defense, and he'll do the defense part. Um, and maybe taking the ball out of his hands a little bit will let him play a little bit slower, right? Mm-hmm. He'll, his role will be minimized, so he'll be able to. He won't show off as much of that negative side of the Tasmanian Devil energy. But I don't know if you're like he's one of those guys. Like to me. Quentin Grimes makes more sense on the Clippers than Keon Johnson. Mm, yeah, good point. Right, because like you know what Quentin Quentin Grimes is going to do already. You know that he's going to be a guy who could shoot, spot up, create a little bit off the bounce, but nothing. You won't need him to do anything crazy, and then he's going to you know be a good enough defender that like he's not going to kill you. I think he'll be a good defender even. Keon, I just. Look, the Clippers are like I get next year. They're probably not trying to win the title because you know Kawhi is probably not going to be playing next year. Yeah, I don't think even like if Kawhi is able to that he's going to come back from the ACL. That's never been Kawhi's mo, like to mm-hmm. speed things up so he can hurry rush back. That's not his thing. So they're not playing for that. So maybe you're able to give him a little bit more freedom next year. But like by the time Kawhi comes back in two years from now, like. Keon Johnson's going to be a major contributor or getting minutes on this team. I just don't see it. They're they're mm-hmm. they're they're just not in that position. Like to me, Keon's a team that needed. Uh, he's a guy who needed to go to like the Thunder and get reps. He's a guy that needed to go to a team where he would have a little bit more freedom. And uh, I don't think he's going to get that in L.A. I just don't. So I I I think it's an inco- inconsequential pick. Uh, good upside swing. If he's, you know, that he's apparently, you know, a ridiculous worker. So mm. if he can turn himself into something and, and just take that shooting guard spot, like more power to him. The the thing I will say is he'll never have to guard up positionally. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So he can just harass point guard shooting guards as this, you know, terrorizing defender. I do like that aspect of it. But uh, for a team that's trying to compete, I just don't see what Keon Johnson is going to do in a playoff setting i don't think he's gonna have the opportunity because as much as we love covering these guys and you know it's really a down the line kind of thing for most of these guys and especially Mm -hmm. for keon i'll tell you yeah we're sorry really quickly even a guy that went undrafted i mean i would have liked joel ayayi on that team like i'm I'm still pretty shocked he went undrafted i was really high on him um but yeah like i'm with you sorry i sorry i cut you off but yeah no i i yeah, he he's the type of guy. But I mean, I'm obviously like I don't think I wasn't expecting him to go in the first round, but I am at uh 
surprised he did get, go undrafted. But mm-hmm. going from Keon, another guy who dropped to the behest of you, to the behest of draft Twitter, mm-hmm. Jaden Springer. <laughs> yeah. Went 28 to the Sixers. Yeah. Exactly the kind of spot that uh, I had him 27 on my big board. So right around the area that made sense to me, but NBA draft Twitter was uh, livid about Springer and his, his drop. I give me a second. I ended up having Springer like 18th on my board. I've always been a Springer guy, but I still had him like 18th. Um, I still love Springer. I think the thing that I'm a little bit annoyed by though, is like, I like, I just, I don't know about the fit with Maxi and Curry. Um, like they don't really have a point guard, um, which is kind of annoying. And like they're probably going to get rid of Ben Simmons, right? Yeah. Um, but at the same time, like you mentioned at the draft, like Philly, they just take guys that I like. You know, they took Maxi <laughs> last year and they took Springer this year. So maybe Daryl Morey and I have some uh, talking to do. Uh, maybe uh, you know we have some similar views on these guys. But yeah, like I, I, I wasn't mad about him going twenty eighth because, like, if you look at the way that the board, I mean, like the way that the draft went, it's like okay, like. You can kind of understand it. Like, yeah, maybe the Clippers should have given him a harder look than Key over Keon, but they're teammates, so maybe they just preferred Keon over him. Um, you know, the Rockets took Josh Christopher. Yeah, no problem with that. A pick ahead, the Nets took um, um, Cam Thomas. Yeah. I'm okay with that. You know, I had Cam in my top 10. So, right. um, yeah, I, I wasn't like angry or anything about it. I just, I'm still kind of a Springer guy. And like, I still believe that he can be more than he was able to show in college. Um, and I think it's just hilarious that the Sixers took Maxie and Springer two years in a row. And I just love those guys. So you, you do, yeah. you love, you love them. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's a weird. It's a weird fit, especially with Simmons. I don't know. Maybe right. he's on, maybe he, he won't be on the move because the asking price is so astronomical. Stupid. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I just, you know, a lot of people, when they talk about Springer, I really feel and I think you even think a little bit of, of this too. Like I just, I feel like I've been watching a different tape, different prospect tape. Like I just don't see any of the shot creation ability mm-hmm. and I just keep hearing it over and over. I feel like it's the same thing as like the Zaire handle stuff. And I'm just like the way that he got his shots in college, I just don't think he'll be able to replicate in the NBA. He's not taking a couple of dribbles, putting his shoulder and then doing a, a little spin and taking these mid range shots. Like NBA teams mm-hmm. aren't, playing like that and i don't think he's going to be able to move nba strength off their spots the same way he was college kids not to say he's not going to get stronger too like he's already a brick shit house and he's obviously going to he's not done growing physically but uh i don't know i like maxi better i don't see who he plays i don't see who he plays over Mm -hmm. he would have made more sense in a like i i'm not saying he doesn't make sense there it's just like he needs to play off of a creator and if they're going to lose simmons he's not going to get to play off of that creator yeah you know i I almost feel like if they like if joel Embiid wasn't there and simmons was playing small ball five and you went with like maxi and springer like that backcourt almost oddly works Mm -hmm. in that way because i think springer could guard twos and Mm -hmm. and maxi's just a, a bulldog as well but the way that they're trying to play i just I just don't see it. I get it. Yeah. I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe. Springer would have been a great triangle point guard. 
Oh, that's a good he, point. He would have been a really good like Derek Fisher guy playing mm-hmm. off of like post up kick like post kickouts. Ron Harper. Mm-hmm. You know, he like 15 years ago, Springer would have yeah. been a I would have Springer would have been higher than 27 on my big board. <laughs> Corey, I ago. think maybe that's exactly why I love Springer so much cuz you know I'm such a 90s basketball guy. Right. Um maybe that's you just connected on something in my brain maybe that's what it is but yeah i just i just i just love his physique like i think he's just so strong and he's gonna get stronger um i actually believe in the shooting like i i don't know if he'll be like a 40 42 percent three-point shooter but i think he'll be a good enough three-point shooter um yeah i just there's something about him that i've always loved um it's like a weird i can't explain it type of thing with him um yeah, but I, I agree with you. I'm still much higher on Maxi. I had Maxi going in the top 10 last year. I was angry at the fact that Maxi fell as much as he did. Like, I thought he legitimately, I would have been so happy if the Knicks took him at eight last year, was how high right. on Maxi I was last year. So, um, but yeah, I, I agree with you. And, and really quickly on the Knicks, I, I love that we got McBride at 36. I thought that oh, was yeah. awesome. Like, oh, awesome. Yeah. Like I could have seen the Knicks taking him at 21 and to get him at 36, I thought was phenomenal. And, you know, Jakobitis, I, I'm okay with it. He's going to play at Barcelona this year. He'll get his reps there. Maybe my, he'll come my, back and be better. My Lithuanian brethren. Exactly. Exactly. So I, I'm okay with the Knicks draft, you know, like Grimes isn't a sexy name, but Grimes took Houston to the final four. Like I needed to like tap into my brain. And like you told me at the draft, like, they made the final four and I needed to remember that like, holy shit, like they actually played in the final four, which is crazy. So I, I don't hate the Grimes pick. And like, you know, I was listening to um, Chad Ford. I think it was Chad Ford talk about it and how like he literally revamped his career trajectory. Like this was like a McDonald's All-American type of guy going to Kansas was like, you know, lauded as yeah. like a number one option. And then he transferred to Houston and was like, you know what? I'm going to be a tertiary guy. Like I'm going to be yep. like, I can play off ball and just change my career trajectory. So he deserves credit for that. So yeah, overall I, I I'm okay with the Knicks draft and we took Jericho Sims at 58 and Jericho Sims is just going to smash his head on the rim every time. So that's fun too. So that is fun. That's he, yeah. New Yorkers will love that. Um, the Knicks summer league team is going to be filthy. Oh, hell yeah. Come on. They're gonna, Let's go. They might win. They might win it all. I'll tell you my second winner of the draft. Who? The Utah Jazz. Yeah. F the Jazz, bro. Honestly. The Utah Jazz. Jared Butler at pick 40, man. (sighs) I know that, look, we we knew that Jared Butler probably was going to be a second round guy because teams were afraid of the medicals. But if that kid ends up being completely clear, like they got a fucking steal at 40. Jared Butler is a fucking baller. You you go back and listen to how we were, you know, glowing about him in, you know, uh, one of the last episodes we did before the actual draft. Um, I ended up having him at 15 on, on my big board. And I, I almost feel bad about that. Like it's too, uh, it was too low in and of itself, and I had him eleventh. And the Jazz hit him at at forty, 40. just <laughs> just jewel heist theft of God, of Jared God. Butler, and you put him in in a backcourt. Like, what a guy to to play off of Donovan Mitchell, like the guy that everybody compared Davion to, probably wrongly because you know 
I, we've mentioned that he's more like a, a combination of like Kemba and Marcus Smart mashed up together, but he's the perfect complement to Donovan Mitchell. Right. He could play in a backcourt with a Jordan Clarkson. I mean, that's going to, Mike Conley, like he could play anywhere. He's just going to be a chameleon in that backcourt. I love it. I, I, I just, I love what he's going to bring to that team. I think he's going to be able to be valuable as, as valuable as any rookie, right. You know, from the jump, I, I, I they're one of my winners. I mean, getting him on a second round deal, man, what, a, what a risk. Like, that's what I want. Like the Sharif stuff. Yeah. Like I was a little bit upset about passing on him for IO, even though I like IO a lot, but Jared Butler seemed like the move, the bet, the upside swing at that spot in the draft. Uh, Fudge, bro. You know what's crazy, Corey? They just gave Mike Conley a big contract today. Like a year or two from now, Mike Conley might be Jared Butler's backup. Like that's how good Jared Butler is. Like what the freak? Like I had him 11th on my board and and I had no problem putting him 11th on my board. And for our listeners out there, you guys might think we're crazy, but like, you guys are going to see how freaking good Jared Butler is at basketball as long as his his like health issue is clear. Like he's going to be so goddamn good. And to end up on that squad, like now they're going to have no problem. Like suddenly, dude, Jordan Clarkson is like he he's an he he's an expendable option on their team. Like they could trade Jordan Clarkson and not feel bad about it because they have Jared Butler. And once again, you know, people might think we're crazy, but I Jared Butler is that good at the game of basketball. And they got him at 40. Like, I wanted the Knicks to take him at 19 or 21. Like, he was just there at 40, and the Jazz have him now, and that's freaking annoying. And they can pair him with Donovan Mitchell. As you mentioned, they can pair him with anybody. And I, I'm, dude, I, a lot of people gave me weird looks when I said this, but like, I really do think he can average like eight assists a game. Like, I think he's that good of a passer and a player, and just like his feel and his shooting and everything. It's like, I think he's such a damn good. Anyway. F the F the Jazz, bro. They just fall on Butler at forty. Are you kidding me? Like that, whatever. Good. Oh, God, <laughs> I'm so angry, bro. Yeah. Well, jeez, oh, he's uh, he's gonna be a player, man. I I yeah, like well. that. I like that for the Jazz. I I think the only other guy I like, I'm excited to watch that we missed is uh is Bones in in Denver. Huh. Yeah, yeah. I, I think Jokic um, had already started watching Bones film, so he's already going to be familiar knowing where this kid likes his spots. Bones seems so excited to be an NBA player. I love that. And uh, he's just going to be able to like do the play to his strengths and hit shots from all different t- spots on the floor and not have to like play make. I love it for him. I'm happy. Yeah. I'm happy that's where he landed. Great nickname. Great shot-making ability. I love it. Yeah, dude. Yeah. And, and the last thing that I want to say, I know we're wrapping up right now. I could feel it. Um, but um, <laughs> Isaiah Todd, man, you know, he's a yeah. guy that I'm really freaking high on. And I, you know, it's great. I didn't even get to mention this to you, Corey. I, I, I was like in the moment. I totally forgot this even happened. So after the draft, I was waiting for my Uber um, to get to my car. And um, 
freaking I'm waiting and this guy just walks right by me. I'm like, who is that? I realized Ian Begley from SNY, oh. right? Ian Begley just walks by and he walks up to his car and he realizes it's not his Uber. So he just stands on the sidewalk. He's just standing there. I'm like, this is my chance. Like, I'm not just going to let Ian Begley stand there and not try to talk to him. Right. So I walk up to him like, Hey, Ian Begley, you know, I was like, first of all, are you Ian Begley? He's like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> man. You know, he's got that deep, like New York, voice accent he's like yeah man i'm like dude like you know big fan i actually mentioned you i was like you know we i do a little he's like are you, were you here for the draft and i was like yeah you know i was here with Corey hardwood herald you know we do a little podcast he's like oh i've seen you guys on social media i was like god damn like a life awesome you know <laughs> ian begley knows our pod but anyway he started talking to me right we started having a little conversation he's like hey you know like what were some surprises for you and i told him like you know i thought i thought scotty barnes going four was a shock blah 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 and then we he was like you know that was a shock like how do you feel about that and i was like you know what to be honest i i love scotty barnes but i really love oh no, no sorry he asked me who's somebody who went later in the draft that you think is going to become a star Okay. Now, right away, I was like, Isaiah Todd. And I was like, bro, like, I know Scotty Barnes went fourth. He's this awesome player. I'm not as sold on Scotty Barnes as others are. If anything, I'm just as high on Isaiah Todd as I am high on Scotty Barnes, which I know is a crazy take and people are going to give me crap about it. But that's how much I love Isaiah Todd as like an offensive upside guy. And I thought the Wizards grabbing him, like, that's kind of like a weird thing. Like, you know, the Bucks had that pick and they just, they just traded out of it. And I wonder, like, he might have been nice on the Bucks too, as like Bobby Portis insurance or whatever. But anyway, did want to throw that little anecdote in there. Ian Begley, if you ever hear this, it was really awesome talking to you for like 10 minutes. Um, and um, yeah, I love Isaiah Todd. So <laughs> I'm, I'm st- uh, we were always high on Isaiah Todd. You were yeah. the highest on Isaiah Todd. I love – that's another guy. That's who I was missing when we were talking about the Wizards on, on like, the, the, the shooters right. that they drafted. Um, I like him. Like we said, there's definitely a role for him. Ian is the man. I've, yeah. uh, I've DM'd with him a little bit. Um, you know, back when I first started really getting, you know, a little bit of juice in, yeah. you know, the draft world and – um you know, Steve Popper did a Newsday article on me, which was big. And, and I, I'm so grateful for him having done that because Alan Hahn right. had started following me right at that point. Ian started following me at that point. You know, a bunch of more like prominent people in the media world um, had started following me after, you know, my newspaper article. And, uh, you know, I, I had reached out to Ian a little bit and, you know, we DM'd. He was really great. And, you know, the point being is that like one of the things I love so much about, and people always say like, I'm a Knicks fan, you know, they yeah. know I'm a Bulls fan. They think I'm a closet Knicks fan, mm-hmm. the New York fan base and like the New York media market has been so kind to me. One mm. probably, you know, I'm a New Yorker. Um, so, you know, I, I'm not like a complete outsider, but they have really truly been so welcoming. And I think yeah. what's cool about, the New York media guys is that even the big guys like Alan, like Alan had me on his show. Right. Alan Hahn is doing ESPN shows every day, you know, with, uh, with Keyshawn Johnson, you know, right. like, right. um, Ian's doing huge things like, and they're supportive of even the guys who aren't on ESPN right. or these big platforms. And 
I just think that that's so awesome. And, you know, obviously shout out to CP for Knicks fan TV, always been mm-hmm. super supportive, um, has me on the show all the time. Macri, right. Knicks film school. Mm-hmm. I mean, all of the guys in the New York media market, big and small, every, every level, Tommy D Tommy D right. Another mm-hmm. guy, like all of these, these guys, like they're just, they're just really supportive and that's the way it should be. You know, and that's why I like doing a lot of guest podcasts and Mm -hmm. I'll do, you know, a podcast if people reach out to me and if if it fits my schedule with which, you know, it mostly will. I'll do it because, um, you know, if all of these guys who have accomplished so much in this media skate can take their, you know, free time and help out a guy like me, then I would love to do the same thing for other people at any level. And I think that that's something that we all, you know should look to do because the more that this space grows, the more opportunity there is for all of us. So, um, Mm -hmm. I just want, you know, definitely shout out to Ian. He's a good dude. So I'm glad that you found that as well. No, I mean, just going with your story, like I'm nobody. And when I mentioned that, like I do the NBA drive pod with you, like we just talked for like 10, 15 minutes. You know, he literally was just picking my brain. He asked me like four or five questions. Like I I suddenly felt like I was on a show with him or something. Like he was straight up asking me questions. And I was like, number one, like you don't know who I am. I'm literally a nobody. And for you to like pick my brain for like draft insight, like from me, I was like, it was it was it was so cool and like humbling and like it just made me realize like okay like Ian Beckley like this guy's like a real dude you know like he just yeah you know he just gave me that opportunity to talk and share with him and I was just like this is freaking dope and so yeah man they're all awesome Tommy D's been dude Tommy Dean's been so kind to me for like ten years on Twitter just like talking it talking it up with me and DMs and just like encouraging me Tommy D was like one of the first ones who encouraged me to write um mm. jay mac back in the day when he was just getting started with like nick's film school like i sent him some stuff and he read it and you know like yeah I, i'm i'm like you man i really appreciate all these people and i'm still a nobody but you know i'm, I'm trying to become somebody with you Corey. and as we do it i i'm like you dude i want to help anybody and continue to learn myself too so yeah that's man. the thing well that's that's how you know that guys like ian they're students of the game they love hoops they'll just talk yeah. about hoops right and uh, no ego. And that's the big thing, you know, like yeah. good. They're good at what they do, but not having the ego. One last thing before we get out of here, who yeah. had the best draft night fit? Oh yeah. I have an answer for this. I loved um, Evan Mobley and his Tiffany uh, themed suit. Yeah. Like we mentioned, if he was wearing Tiffany dunks with that, it would have been a wrap. I thought he looked awesome. <laughs> I thought he looked awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously. Jalen Green w- made the biggest waves with his uh, yeah, with his suit. But I loved Evan Mobley's suit. I loved Kaminga's suit. Mm-hmm. That was sharp. And then uh, underrated Jalen Sugg's suit was dope too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, kind of had like the sparkly uh, bow tie, right? Silver, yeah, the little ma- kind of it, it worked with the uh, with the magic. So, um, mm-hmm. all right, this we're officially done with the 2021 <laughs> NBA draft. Damn. That's it. Surreal, dude. It's freaking surreal. Season wow. season one is officially a wrap for yeah. for the uh, the draft act season one. Corey, can and, I can I say something real quick? Yeah, absolutely. Just want to say, dude. Like, honestly, uh, 
I still know I'm a nobody. And the fact that you picked me to do this pod with you, it still feels surreal. I talk about it with my wife all the time, talk about it with my friends all the time. Like, I don't know how in the hell I ended up hosting this pod with you. Um, but to like finally kind of put a bow on this first season, it's been freaking surreal, dude. And like, I put together a big board for the first time. I did a mock draft for the first time. Like, all these things are new to me. Um, but dude, I, I just want to say for our listeners, like you guys don't know and don't see the amount of work that Corey puts into all this and the amount of um, motivation that he puts like behind my ass too. And like how he pushes me to do better and to be better. And it's been a, just a freaking unbelievable first year doing this with you. And we've got plans on season two of you know, 2022 NBA draft. And we are looking to expand the team and do all different kinds of things. But I just want to say once again, number one, for our listeners, like you guys riding along with us, like I know Corey's a star here and I'm just like, you know, the sidekick and just trying to learn and grow or whatever. But it's been so surreal to be a part of this. And as we head into the next season, like for me, like all I'm thinking now is like, I just want to work harder. I just want to learn more. I just want to be better at not just potting, but everything. And so just want to put that in there. Like, thank you to our listeners for riding with us. Like truly, like we put out a lot of content and we saw our, our listenership and the audience grow as we, you know, start in the beginning, Corey, we were doing like what, like 20, 30 listens. And by the end of it, some of them, we were hitting like, I don't even know, like 1500 and more. Right. So more, more. And so just want to say for our listeners out there, you guys are the freaking best. And Corey, you deserve all the love and praise that you get on Twitter. And as like, you're straight up like my mentor right now. And just want to thank you once again for bringing me on and, you know, teaching me all the stuff that you teach me. And I'm excited to keep this growing, man. It's been, it's been surreal. And I just want to thank you and thank our listeners one more time before we uh, wrap up this season. Well, I truly appreciate that. You know, uh, you know, we talked about it at, at the Barclay Center as well. And yeah, um, yeah. like I said, your your star burns bright too, my man. And, you know, there's a reason when I was launching the pod that I asked you, I didn't, you were the my first choice. You were the only person I messaged. Um, if I, honestly, I don't know who I was going to do it with. If you said, <laughs> no, I would have asked somebody else. But if, if you were like, no, nah, I don't want to do that shit. <laughs> I, I would have tried to go somewhere else. But I didn't even, I didn't really have a backup plan. Like I said, you know, one of the things, doing all the the podcast stuff and you know this i want to say this for people that are like doing con- making content yeah. you never know right who sees it who's listening who's doing what what it could lead to you know i never in a million years thought that i was going to be featured in a major newspaper right i never in a million years thought that i would have produced over 50 pieces of content for ESPN. Yeah. I never in a million years thought that, you know, uh, my YouTube channel would have almost half a, uh, a million views or, you know, I would have a podcast that was the number one basketball podcast in <laughs> Ireland and Argentina and charting in, in America. And, you know, it was top 20 in the U S I, but, and you never know who sees it. Right. And listens. And I did all these pods last year for the 2020 draft quarantine. I was doing an interview every day. And I, I literally, I said to my soon to be wife, you know, that was the best one I did. So you were the only one that I had in mind because it was comfortable. We had good chemistry and you knew your shit and you were a smooth talker on the mic. No awkward pauses. You know, that's important. (laughs) But 
for anybody out there, keep grinding. You never know yes, what when an opportunity is going to present itself. And it may not be the biggest opportunity in the world. Certainly, I'm not trying to act like the opportunity to be a co-host on this podcast is like, you know, <laughs> getting scooped up by uh, ESPN or, or right. Bleacher Report or anything. But this is the thing that could lead to the thing. And your thing that you're doing could be the thing that leads to the thing. And even if it's the thing that doesn't lead to the thing, it could be the thing that leads to the thing to the thing. And by the time you get to the thing to the thing to the thing, mm-hmm. all the reps that you had doing the thing. The first right. time is what's going to make you better by the time you finally make it. But it comes with consistency right? and doing it for a long time. It's not going to mm-hmm. happen overnight. Yeah. It hasn't happened for us yet. We're not done. Yeah, we're we still working. We, we just started, right? So nowhere to go but to the moon for yes, us. Sir. So yes, season sir. two, season two coming soon. Um, Albert, sign us out. Where can the people find you? You'll find me um, at Alberto Gim on Twitter and Instagram. And I promise our listeners, I'm actually workshopping a new name right now. Um, I've thrown it around at a couple of my friends. Um, I'm not sure about it yet, but hopefully by season two, I'll have a new name by then. But um, dude, it's been real. It's been awesome. Yeah. Um, you can find me at the Hardwood Mag. Go uh, subscribe to the YouTube, the Hardwood Herald. And um, Chet, we're coming for you. season two 2022 nba draft coming very very soon and maybe with summer league coming up maybe we bring you to summer school okay we don't know Mm -hmm. class might be in session until that time guys stay locked in because more content's coming soon yes sir we out peace peace